Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Thanks for joining us once again. I've got an episode that I want to release today that I did say in way back in like episode 30 somewhere that we're going to talk about redirected aggression. So today we're going to define it, likelihood of occurrence and when will it normally happen and also situations of how we can try to limit this um, this form of aggression. So redire- redirected aggression is... When a dog is faced, generally when he's faced with a form of threat, so let's say he's he is aggressive towards other dogs and he sees a dog up across the road and he gets so wild, riled up and he's, and he's starting to get overly aroused and reach that threshold. And usually when re- the redirected aggression occurs is when the dog starts to get too close and the dog starts to get really, really affected by that. And normally, if we were to put pressure on the lead or if the dog was to get too, too close, um, like even closer to after your dog's lunging and barking, lunging and barking, as that dog gets a little bit closer, that your dog can then turn onto and onto the its owner or the closest thing to them and then bite them. So, two ways that that would occur if using the same sort of scenario, walking down the street, dog's starting to walk past, your dog's lunging and growling, lunging and growling, lunging and barking, and then... Your dog turns onto you and bites your leg or turns onto if you're walking two dogs and then turns onto the other dog and then bites them. But it's nothing personal in those moments. Redirected regression is how it was taught to me was when adrenaline raises too high in the dog system where the dog's eyes just glaze over and the closest thing to them gets bitten. Um, they, they bite it. So for example, let's give a, I'll give another different example. You could be standing in front of your house with your dog on the lead and your dog then sees, we'll use another dog as an example, so sees a dog coming out from the neighbor's yard, so a very close, very um, close proximity which um, stimulates your dog to get um, overly aroused and then nothing's happening on the lead. Your dog's hitting at the end of it, you know, whether he's lunging towards a dog or if he's barking and then you go to grab the collar or put pressure on the leash and the dog then reacts really quickly and boom, goes right towards your leg, bites your arm or whatever. Um, I saw this redirected aggression occur also when I was working at the shelter. I was, there was a cattery in, within this shelter and I would, part of the dog's assessment would mean that I would take the dog around other dogs, big dogs, small dogs, and through the, the two the two gates, I just want the dog to see the other cats and to see what their reaction was. So I'd never put the cat too close to the dog, obviously. And there was one time I took a dog real close up and it was a really busy time for, for, um, for the cattery at that time and there was an overpopulation. So there was many cats in there. And when one of the, so the first cat that spotted the dog would like, you know, fluff up, tail went up really erect and then went closer towards the gate. And then there was another one that took notice of us. And then it started to come up close. And what happened was, like, I wasn't there for very long. This all happened within, like, 15 seconds or something, was that that second cat bumped up against the original cat that first saw the dog, and then the cat just turned around, swiped it. The cat then reacted back, and then half the cattery's 
worth of cats started to started to fight amongst each other and it was really difficult for me because I wanted to go in there and stop it but I had a dog on the lead so obviously one of my staff luckily was real close she ran in and we just stopped it no one got injured no one got hurt but that was a classic example of redirected aggression was that the cat was feeling threatened by the dog and if there was no gates the cat would have either run or or, sh- or strike the, um, the dog on the face where now that that cat had nothing personal against the other cat in that moment, because those cats coexist happily to, together all the time, it was that when they were faced with this um, with this direct threat. Another example, a human example of redirected aggression, could be when your best friends are fighting, for example. So it's a proper fight, and then you come to stop the fight. So you grab your friend, and then your friend just out of a sheer reaction elbows you in the face. Um, and that's happened personally to me when I, I saw a couple of old friends back at school when 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 in the middle of it to break it break it up and I, and I copped a flurry of hits um, um and none of them wanted to hurt me so it was nothing personal this isn't merely aggression the, the redirected part of this aggression is is the most important part so likelihood of occurrence would be a lot of the time it's when you're breaking up a fight so if you're going to break up two dogs when they're fighting you have to have in the front of your head. Um, in front of your mind, rather, that you may get bitten in this altercation. So if you're going to jump in to stop it, be prepared that you may get bitten. And then there's a whole different um, set of protocols to follow in that sort of situation. While the dog's on the lead can be another reason why. It's because we've um, given the dog less options. When the dog's on the lead, there's nowhere for him to go. So what happens is, that's when the dog's panic starts to set in, especially if a dog's coming, like if that stimulus is then proceeding to come closer towards him, he gets more into um, a panic. He then starts to react and and then potentially show more aggression. But then as soon as I put pressure on the lead or sometimes when a dog gets a, a leash correction in, in the wrong time, um, that's when the dog can turn and bite. So one of my clients um, recently was walking, then her dog gets really anxious and can be good around some dogs, but then other dogs um, was really, really um, protective for itself, right? It wasn't protecting the owner in this case. So as they were walking past, they'd walked past like seven, eight, ten dogs before. And then this one time as they were walking past, the dog hit the end of the lead to, to, um, to, bite, the other, to bite the dog walking past it. And then as soon as it hit the end of the lead, boom, it went back and then bit my owner on the ass. So these things can happen too. And again, it's... It's a, it's a risk. It, there's a factor to, to you getting hurt and bitten. But just remember, and when it happens, you know, as an, as you, the dog's owner, you can be really upset. You can be really um, triggered by it. So just know that it's a potential risk of dealing with your dog in the, around certain stimulus. But also we need to have a bit of a protocol of what to do. Dogs can also show redirected aggression with pain. Now, I was careful about adding this in because, of course, if a dog's leg's sore and you touch the sore leg, the dog may just bite you because its leg is sore. But sometimes if the dog's in pain and is in another similar situation, is, is feeling stressed, nervous, or, you know, potentially aggressive, what could happen is if you do touch a sore part of the dog's body, he can then quickly um, bite onto you just as a sheer reaction of it. So... Be, be mindful if your dog has used his teeth before to get what he wants and not just by um, by playing tug or, or by eating, by actually showing forms of aggression and um, social correction, so to speak. Um, make sure that you're really understanding of how to make sure that you're safe while trying to, trying to deal with your dog. 
while dogs are wild on the lead, it's a real big one, right? So um, we've spoken about this before in terms of when a dog's feeling threatened and and fear aggression starts to set in. If a lot of the times, if the dog had space to walk away and to make its own space around the stimulus, i.e., a dog coming close or a person coming into their personal space, if the dog has the ability to walk away on its own and create some space, flight, then um, then the dog may not have to go into a fight state of mind and then try to bite. So um. So while we put a dog on a lead, we've restricted a lot of their natural behaviors so they can't make space when they're feeling threatened, but also their body language starts to change. If I'm walking down the street with my dog that's scared of other dogs and then there's another dog, a Labrador, for example, walking closer to us and that dog's pulling on a harness, for example, that body language changes. Chest starts to point out forward, head is out in front, probably panting really hard because he's hot and he's walking. His tail may be up and erect. So if a dog with limited social skills or that's had a bad experience around dogs or a lack of experience, they may perceive that body language as different than what it actually is. And um, so dog, while dogs are on the lead where there's a lot more of a likelihood of an attack to occur or for a redirected aggression to occur. So, um, so today I want to give like two sort of remedies or a kind of a step-by-step of what to do while the dog's on the lead. And then when dog, two dogs are fighting, you know, that could be a quick, a quick little breakdown of it. Um, and then we can probably use other episodes in the future to go more into aggression um, specifically. I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to give too much aggression advice because it's so different between dog to dog. Um, situation to situation, every circumstance is different. So if we give a blanket rule about, hey, this is how you deal with this and that, this is how you stop it, I'm just afraid that people try it too um, without any professional eyes and and physical help where things can go wrong. And, of course, aggression is, an, is a dangerous behavior. So while the dog's on the lead, the best thing to do before working on your behavior modification program and working on all that is knowing how to use your leash. So if you're walking down the street, same situation, the dog's coming close to you, right now, best thing to do is just make some space around that dog. Make sure that your dog's conditioned to having um, leash pressure on, and this is a big one. So things that you can do is, this is not around another dog, but just in the background while you're at home and on your general training sessions is showing your dog leash pressure and what that means. Leash pressure means when your dog, when you have your dog on the collar or if it's on a harness, if that's the way you like to go, um, I put a bit of pressure onto that harness and the pressure in this circumstance is for the dog to move in the direction of the pressure, not to fight it. There's a natural... Um, reaction that we have called opposition reflex. When pressure goes against our body, we tend to put pressure back against it. So when the dog's got a flat collar on really low down on his neck and hasn't been taught how to walk on a lead, he'll tend to, when he feels pressure going onto the collar, onto the harness, they tend to lean into it. And that sort of opposition reflex can hinder us when we're out on the walk as well. So you have your dog on the collar, you have your high value food with you, you're standing still, you're not moving in this one, um, in, in this instance. Put a little bit of pressure out of 10, 10 being the hardest, one being the softest. I'd probably put like a three out of 10 if your dog can tolerate that. Hold that pressure on and to help them out, you put your food in front of the dog's nose and you lure them towards you. As soon as they take a few steps in the direction of the leash pressure, you release the pressure and then give the marker yes immediately and then give food. Pressure goes on, the dog takes a step or two in that direction, release the pressure, that's the most important, and then reward. 
um, look on Nutris Pooch's YouTube channel, type in the name game, and that talks a little bit about go into a lot more detail in terms of what how leash pressure can really help us especially for your strong powerful dogs so if we can work on some leash pressure like over time you'll be taking a few steps back say the dog's name the dog looks in your direction and then starts walking towards you you release the pressure and reward with that leash pressure if you can just show the dog we're moving to the left the dog follows the leash pressure to the left reward and then going to the right making sure pressure going on means moving this direction when the pressure goes away, the dog's done the right thing, and that is perceived to the dog as a reinforcement. It's called negative reinforcement. The 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 um the pressure going away, the negative part of the equation, is reinforcing. It feels good. It doesn't mean that the dog feels pain when the pressure's on. He just feels that um, force, and that that becomes more of a guiding force rather than a stopping force. Because a lot of the times we put pressure on, so then the dog can stop going in that direction, but then. When he's showing intensity one way, you show intensity the other way, we have conflict. So if we can teach the dog what leash pressure is, then hopefully that can translate when you're out and about walking. You're walking, the dog pops out from a driveway, two houses up, your dog gets triggered, bit of pressure towards you and then moving in the opposite direction. And then look, your dog may be so triggered he may not want food, but at least if he do- when he does start walking in the direction you want, you can release that pressure. If pressure on the collar and the harness becomes a neutral thing, it becomes slightly positive, and then over time, we want it to be actual communication. Your dog won't be super conflicted in that moment. Again, this isn't a hard, fast rule that's going to work for everybody. But remember what it is that we want our dogs to do when we do start giving them communication, whether it's verbal, leash pressure, or whether it's um, with luring and, and gestures. So, And then also when breaking up a fight. Now, there's so many different levels of breaking up fights and then how do we even avoid fights, etc. But in terms of breaking up the fight in the moment, just be aware that we tend to go straight for the dog's um, face and collar when the dogs are biting each other. And um, or it could happen that – so another example was when I had a friend, I told him not to go to the dog park. He bloody took his dog to the dog park. Um, the American staffy jumped onto the um, Huskies – um, back um, and bit the back of the collar and the husky was tripping balls um, and then when he came and the owner came to break it up that husky was just chomping away at anything that it saw anything that it could bite it bit because think about it in survival if you can bite anything you bite anything you're going to get out of out of danger's way so um, he had scars and stitches all over his arms trying to break up this dog fight him and the owner of the husky so it wasn't that the husky was pissed off with with, uh, with him it was that he just didn't know what he's doing and he's just in a flurry and you see that with drunk people as well you try to hold them down they're just wow wailing even if it's their mum trying to hold them down they're just they're just not themselves they've gone into that primal mode and they're just survival mode basically so a few quick tips about breaking up a fight is if you are going to go for the collar, make sure that you're ready for the aftermath. And remember when a dog goes to bite you from grabbing their collar or anywhere on their body, it's a quick movement. So make sure that you're safe. And um, even coming from behind and grabbing the dog's knees and doing the wheelbarrow, so lifting their do- the dog's legs up and then kind of driving them into the ground. As soon as that dog lets go, because he may get a panic of being grabbed by the back legs, and ideally that two people are doing this. So two people come in for the wheelbarrow technique, not grabbing the paws, the back paws, you're grabbing the knees, you don't want to pull the ligaments. You grab the legs, you lift them up, and a lot of the times when the dogs feel that sensation, if it happens um, in sync, the dogs may just 
be unsure of what's happening and then they let go to look at what's been grabbing them because think about it in their mind there could be another dog coming from behind and biting them for, for all they know so as soon as that happens you can like swing the dogs around and then hopefully you can get or another way could be with your leash while the if the dogs again we're talking about milliseconds here but bear with me and kind of get my um, my perspective is that while the dogs are fighting, let's just say they've grabbed onto each other, um, maybe grabbing a lead, attaching it to a collar or putting the lead up underneath their neck and then making it a slip lead, putting it through the loop, the the other end of the lead. So then that way there, then there's a slip lead on and that way there, then you've got a bit of um, space between you and the dog. So when trying to pull them off or if you have to choke the dogs off, you can do that. And then if he lets go and he wants to redirect, then at least you've got that lead there. So making sure that, if you're going to break up that fight, you've got a couple of people there and, of course, manage the situation, try not to let it happen, blah, blah, blah. We get that. But really, really important is in the moment there, be clear-minded and just jump in trying to wedge the dog's mouth open because it may not work either. So even while you're on the lead and you're walking and your dog does hit the end of the lead and he has a tendency of looking back towards you, making sure that you can make space between you and the dog with your lead and um, and trying to – not put your, put your dog into those sort of situations. I know that you can't always be avoided, but part of a behavior modification plan is talking, working on good leash handling, um, giving your dog a job so we can follow basic commands, and then, of course, working on all the ins and outs on, on, on dealing with the, with the actual cause of the problem, building confidence and you know, showing your dog that they have to follow you and et cetera, et cetera. We can go through all of that in another episode, but today's really important about knowing what the aftermath of every behavior could be. Just like, for example, um, in in human context, someone grabs you um, and then you decide, oh, yeah, if someone grabs me, I'll grab their wrist and I'll punch them. And then you, and then let's say you have a killer punch, you give him a good left hook, boom, and then he lets go as in terms of self-defense, you've got to think what's the aftermath of not only what will he do in reaction to that, but also where does he fall for you to be able to follow up? So, or for example, um, the aftermath, thinking about the psychology within human behavior and then that for for us humans, this isn't redirected, but it's all, always about having an aftermath is that if you have some road rage incident and, um, for example, my car is just wrapped with all my logos and stuff on it, is that my actions today may not be for the next two seconds and maybe that three months later that person recognizes the car and then something happens. So there's an aftermath for every behavior that we do. In the moment of redirected aggression and bringing that back is that your the consequence and the outcome, the aftermath, is within 0.3 to 0.5 of a second. Dogs move really quickly when they're, when they're under that sort of adrenaline rush. So make sure that you're calm and composed. If you do get bitten, make sure that you still try to keep on the plan of what you're doing because you don't want the incident to get worse. But usually when redirected aggression um, occurs, it's normally a quick bite and a release. It's generally they grab and then they start to shake and hold. Certainly it can happen, but depending on the dog and the severity of the situation, but a lot of the time it's a quick strike and let go. But don't be fooled. A quick bite from a dog hurts and talking from experience, I can't I can't tell you how many times I've been bitten. Um, and a lot of the times, I wouldn't say a lot of the times, but um, but quite frequently it could it was from redirected aggression i'm a lot quicker now so i can see when things like that happen so i can move my arm out on the lead while i move my legs back um making sure that you're wearing the right equipment as well if you do know that your dog can buy you and has been redirecting onto you uh, make sure that you're wearing like loose sort of not too baggy but baggy pants can really help because when a dog goes a bite or if you're going to wear 
um, if you're a professional in industry and, you, and you're out working, sometimes wearing longer sleeves that are not skin tight, but a little bit baggy because usually a dog goes to grab the material, like the closest thing. So usually they grab material where if you're wearing tights and a dog goes to bite your leg, like they're biting your leg, right? And they say that about when I did a survival course and when you're out bush, never to be wearing shorts. I wasn't allowed to wear shorts on that whole five days. And um, so I had to wear long pants and, and I used the cargo sort of jeans material. Um, for snake bites because a snake will strike for the closest thing, which would be your pants. And if there's a bit of bagginess and they're, they're going to sink their teeth into that, where if you're obviously got your bare skin or something too tight, they can get it. So management and in the background, work on some leash handling, um, work on some um, leash pressure techniques, and then be aware of if your dog is in pain or if there is going to be a fight that you have a bit of a plan involved. And hopefully anyone that gets bitten, remember any bite, isn't just the bite in the moment. You may not get a crushed arm. You may not. Um, you, you may not even get too many stitches, but you can get infected. Um, and when I got bitten, I not only did that to take cartilage out of my my finger, uh, my cartilage of my knuckle joint, but also my fingernail had to got cracked in half, and they had to remove that. But what was what got me into hospital was that my finger was infected, and it could have gone into my blood or my bones. They said, which can be fatal. So. There's aftermaths of the bite as well. So making sure that you treat that well and um, and make sure you're on top of it. Now, if you know that your dog redirects, last thing, he's talking about muzzle conditioning. Teach your dog how to wear a muzzle. Um, soon I'm going to put a video together um, talking about muzzle conditioning and how to do that. But look that up. You know, there's many different um, um, resources out there talking about how to properly teach your dog how to wear a muzzle. And wearing a muzzle um, will obviously... Um, protect the other people and protect yourself when you're when you're dealing with um with an aggressive dog so um and remember a redirected aggression isn't oh i went to go grab his toy and he bit me that's resource guarding um or re- redirected aggression isn't because you touched his sore leg and after he's growling and snarling at you for touching it he bit you like that's different um redirected aggression is while he's while they're in the zone locked into that behavior staring at the stimulus and then we come and interfere one way or another and that dog just boom quickly comes and 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 bites us so making sure that you're treating the actual cause of the aggression and not just the redirected part of it hope that all makes sense and hope i didn't go into too many tangents there really appreciate you guys listening um always you know try to um give us a um, a rating or a review on the platform that you're listening to us and share it with a friend because that always does help. And if there's any questions, um, send them our way. And until next time, keep training your dogs. Have a good, good day and much love to you all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another show of Life With Your Dog. Please like, rate and share if you're enjoying our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. For all dog training videos, tips and techniques, visit nooches Thank you and stay tuned for next time.